Hey, you listening to this podcast right now. Did you ever think, man, there's so many kick-ass market research podcasts. I wish there was some sort of an award for them so I could vote for my favorite. Well, you're in luck. In partnership with Greenbook, Little Bird Marketing is excited, well, actually ecstatic, to announce the first ever annual Market Research Podcast Award. Nominate your favorite Insights Industry podcast from now until February 15th. From February 16th until March 31st, vote for your favorite podcast in the Insights Industry and bestow upon them the title of MR Podcast of the Year. Don't forget, Submissions are due for nomination by February 15th, and the winner will be announced on April 15th at Greenbook's IIEX North America in Austin, Texas. Visit littlebirdmarketing.com forward slash MR hyphen podcast hyphen award. Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. With me today is Brad Ferris. He is a principal advisor over at Anchor Advisors. He's been doing it for a long time. He's got a lot of good advice for you today. He guides business owners through the pitfalls, the joys, (laughs) some of the agony (laughs) of growing their businesses. And I think you've heard from me a lot of times on this podcast about what I call the stunning discomfort of entrepreneurship. So welcome, Brad, to the show. I'm glad to be here. So we've got to know each other a little bit, and actually, we're pretty similar. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think we, you know, sometimes the way that you tackle problems or the way that you see problems, the way you start out with, hmm, well, how I see it is, and I think, right on target. Yes, I'm I'm down with this guy. So. So you're a speaker, obviously. I, I you know, I, I connect with you through some other speakers, but you're also an author. Tell us about tell us about that whole side of your life. I've been writing um, a weekly newsletter since uh, like 2007. When Al Gore invented the internet. Yes, right, right after that. <laughs> right, right, right. Got it. And then this year, I switched to three times a week uh, writing a newsletter, and then over that period of time. Uh, I've written, uh, you know, ebooks that I've self-published. So I, I wrote one uh, called The Business Owner's Champion. I wrote one about budgeting. I wrote another one about hiring. Um, all kinds of, all the things that I see that that business owners kind of get hung up on over and over again. And, and, you know, especially the hiring and the budgeting ones. These were conversations that I had had, like, you know, 35 times. And I thought I should just write this down. (laughs) So I don't have to have this conversation. Right, right. Well, you obviously are really passionate about uh, business, business owners, and really helping people find better ways to do things. I feel like you're like business hacks 101. Okay. (laughs) So yeah. And you know, you're, you're an effervescent personality. You want, you want people really more, it's not really about the money so much as about enjoying life and that money being a way to actually really enjoy their life more. You know, I had a friend that, uh, I'm a terrible golfer. I, I don't play very much. He was a better golfer than I was. And we were out on the golf course and, and, uh, he said that for him, where the ball landed was he, he didn't try to hit the ball into a certain place. He felt like where the ball landed was a result of a good swing. Like, like it was just an indicator. It was like a, uh, a signpost that he had swung his golf club. Well, mm-hmm. and I feel like in business in general, that money is sort of an indicator that you're doing things right. And, 
when when you go for money, when what you want to do is I want to make more money, then that's a hard way to do it. But if you just run a really good business and treat people well and and price things fairly, that that the indicator that you're doing a good job is that you're making good money. Well, and we can all joke around how about we don't value money more. But on the other hand, those same people would never hire a financial planner who drove up in a total jalopy. <laughs> That's true. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay. Well, tell tell my audience about really your day-to-day over at Anchor Advisors. So uh, I I just made giant changes in my business this year. So uh, my day-to-day now is totally different from what it was six months ago. Um Six months ago, I did a lot of face-to-face consulting, driving around, meeting with people in their offices. So I spent a lot of time in my car uh, and then meeting with business owners and their teams to help them to improve their businesses. Uh, Over the last six months, I've shifted to working um, more virtually and more in a mastermind format. And so uh, I spend most of my days today uh, on Zoom or, or on the phone working with business owners, talking to them about the biggest problems and challenges they have in their business, the, the opportunities that they're trying to grasp hold of, and then strategizing with them about how to how to grab hold of those and take advantage of them. And then also leading them in small groups. So uh, I've put together some masterminds with uh, about five business owners apiece. And, uh, and that's really been the exciting change that I've made this year. Um, and it's a little humbling because I'm seeing clients <laughs> that I worked with one-on-one who are making more progress in the mastermind than they made when we were working one-on-one. And I'm like, hey, you know, I had all that good advice for you. You you didn't do it. But when these people give you the same advice, you do it. And it's kind of an amazing thing. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's been super rewarding to, to see that people are making progress, but a little humbling too. Right. Well, since you do talk with so many business owners and, and you really know intuitively and by experience that you know, one size does not help all. One size can't possibly fit all because you're in a mastermind for a reason, you know, that there's not this, you know, seven steps to something. You have to think about it. You have to get the whole group uh, behind it. So tell us a little bit about some of the frameworks even beyond mastermind that have been helpful for you to start meaningful conversations about where people are in their business. It's interesting because when I started my business, I actually created this like whole curriculum that I was going to take business owners through and like teach them to go from being a business owner to a CEO. And uh, and that failed miserably um, because I show up one day to talk about, you know, job descriptions and the guy on the other side of the desk says, well, I lost my biggest customer today. So I don't really want to talk about your job descriptions. And I thought, well, that's that makes that's fair. We should talk about that, right? Mm. And so, uh, spending the, the the first thing, which is sort of what you were implying, is that we have to meet people where they are. Whatever's going on for them right now is the thing that we need to talk about. And and so that means that I need to have a a toolbox, right? That's full of the kind of tools that I need to get out to help people get over the things that they're battling with. And mm-hmm. You know, the things that are, that are most common are, um, you know, not really having a product market fit and not knowing how to do business development so that so they don't have a consistent new business engine that's, that's bringing business into the, into the um, company. Uh, not really understanding their finances. So either not being able to forecast income, understanding expenses, forecast cash, cash flow, um, dealing with your team. Like there, there are a lot of people who were really 
fantastic as a solo and then they hire a team and everything falls apart because you have to change the way you're working every time you add a new team member. Um, and then, you know, the biggest challenge I think that business owners have is, is between their ears. Um, <laughs> Say more about that. What, what do you mean? <laughs> well, we have all kinds of, uh, of limitations or stories that we tell ourselves that, that keep us from, uh, from doing the things that we know we need to do. Earlier this year, I did a survey and I reached out to, uh, to a couple of hundred business owners and, and I asked them like 20 questions. But one of the questions was, if you had to double your business next year, what would you do? Mm. And about 80% of the people came back and said, well, I would sit down and do my business development. Like I would schedule time and I would follow up with people and I would, you know, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what do you, why don't you do it now? You know, <laughs> you know what you need to do. Just do right. it. Right. Right. But, but don't. It's hard. You know, it's the same thing when I go to the gym, if I'm working with a trainer, I do those three extra reps at the end that hurt, right? And if the trainer's not there, I'm like, eh, eight's (laughs) enough. I I did eight. It's good. Right, right. (laughs) No, why does it it take a trainer? But it it absolutely does. So let's break down those. You you just uh, rattled off four really quickly to me. The first one you said was that you find people are struggling to find the product market fit. Say more about that. So the first challenge for any business when we start up is to really understand what we're selling and who we're selling it to. Mm-hmm. And when you start your business, you think this is super easy, right? Like I'm, I'm selling design services, right? To people who need design. Um, but it turns out that that's a really hard thing to do because there are a lot of people selling design services. And, and if you don't know specifically who you're selling to and why you're different from the other people selling design services, it's very easy for the people that you're talking to to choose someone else. Mm-hmm. And so to, to figure out what it is that you're especially good at and who it is that wants that thing, right? And then figuring out how to deliver it in the way that they can see that that's what they want and need and that it, that it meets the need that they have. Mm-hmm. That is a huge uh, puzzle. You know, it's sort of the first developmental step in growing your business is to really identify clearly who is it that I'm selling to. And, and by who, it's not just like, business owners or even lawyers, like it's lawyers who have this specific problem and are at this stage in their development, right? Like there's a, there's a very specific problem that you're there to solve. Mm -hmm. And how do you tell when people have that problem? Yeah. As a marketing consulting agency, we take that even further outside of even just the business growth and, and biz development model. And we say, before you can even fine tune, you know, or even create a marketing message, we have to know even more deeply who that is down to really psychographics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just their role, like, okay, they're a brand insights, you know, director at mm-hmm. a fortune 500 company. Okay. Well, that's, we've gotten started, but what makes them tick? What keeps them up at night? What gets them up on Monday morning to do this job? Like how, what kind of help do they need? What kinds of problems are they facing, you know, over and over and over again? So I like that from the Biz dev side, you're saying really you got to start with that product market fit. I, I couldn't agree more. Let's talk finances. People don't okay. like to talk about money, but you got to <laughs> if you're a business owner. So what what's going on there in the finance conversation? And and I will say this: this cracks me up all the time that you said this because I'll you know be called in for a marketing meeting and I'm like, okay, and what is the budget? And I don't even know why I say it anymore because <laughs> there's no budget. <laughs> 
Well, it's somewhere between uh, two thousand and two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> exactly. Well, I could work with that. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll take the two hundred thousand. <laughs> so, tell me more about your experience there. Cash is to a business like oxygen is to your body. Yeah. Right. If you if you stop breathing, you die. If you can't bring in any cash, you're gonna die. Uh, and so, understanding cash flow is uh, is a developmental task. Also, we need to understand how it is that we get money to come into our business and hopefully get it to come in faster than it's going out. Uh, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to end the podcast there? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Mic drop. Oh, exactly. <laughs> The thing that's interesting to me is that, um, you know, over time we've developed these tools that we call accounting that help us to better keep track of that money and to be able to forecast it and see in the future how much money am I going to have. Um, but accounting is a it's a long word and and it was a boring class when I took it in college and um, and people don't like it and so they just look at their bank account or you know how they feel about their business. Um, and that, that can work for businesses that are very stable, but if your business is growing or if your marketplace is changing and mm -hmm. come on, marketplaces are changing right now. Yeah. It's called disruption uh, city everywhere. <laughs> that gut instinct, uh, is working on old data, data that's not, that might not map very well to the world that we're living in. And so mm -hmm. having a, a really basic budget that where you lay out, you know, who's paying you month by month what your expenses are month by month, um, laying some of that stuff out uh, makes a big difference in your ability to make decisions. And so uh, clients will come to me and they'll say, you know, Brad, can I afford to hire this uh, new business person? And I'll say, I don't know, what, you know, what is your budget? Say? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Let's look at your budget. You know, all the questions that you have about, you know, money going in and out of your business. If you look at your budget, the answer is always there. Well, it makes me curious or makes me wonder if it's that, you know, to really start something up, so you really have to risk a lot. And so we, you know, we as entrepreneurs have a very intimate and, you know, somewhat frightening relationship with risk, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, so you, you kind of get used to it. You almost get used to the panic, right? And then when, you're, when your business starts to grow and you really could rely on some sharp accounting, you could rely on some forecasting. It's almost like we're all in the habit, though, of winging it even once we've got our own data. <laughs> and so making that transition as a business owner into saying, wait a minute, you know, I don't, I know I may have a very good gut, but I don't have to rely on it anymore. Well, I don't know about you, Priscilla, but there are times that I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be enough money there. Right. Yeah. And, and when I'm in that place, if I don't have a, some facts that I can go back to. If I don't have, you know, something written down that I can be like, oh, wait a minute, this is how much money I have in the bank. This is how much money I have coming in. These are what my expenses are. You know, if I can go through that, I can I can get out of that panic place. And that panic place is totally normal. And uh, <laughs> we, we all have it. Right. <laughs> it is totally irrational in most cases. Like, mm -hmm. you know, 
I'm, I'm not actually going to live under a bridge, even though that's what I'm thinking in the middle of the night. <laughs> See, uh, I'm not thinking that, but I have 20 employees. I'm, th- <laughs> you know, I joke around with them a lot in terms of cash flow and risk and, you know, and these decisions and things that are really hard for me. I like to remind them, you know, I'm not getting fired, right? <laughs> I'm going to be the last one to go. So you guys really should care about this decision, you know, but uh, that's funny and everything. It does help them kind of sit up straight and be like, okay, these, these are things for our job. But I do feel that responsibility for, you know, 20 families that, you know, are depending on this. We have at least, gosh, I think we're at like almost 35, 40% of of my employees, myself included, who are sole breadwinners for their families. And that's, that's an even bigger pressure. So I love that idea. When, when cash flow gets tight and every business has times when cash flow gets tight, that stress of managing the cash flow of of looking for where the money's coming in and, and eking it out on the other side, like, that takes up so much energy Ugh. away from our creativity and our build, ability to build our business and our ability to take risks. Like, I just want to keep people out of that place where they're where they're having to manage every penny. Right. And if you haven't been there, it's like you can't explain it to somebody. But <laughs> you, you can be, you know, and I'm years far removed from that. And I still, to this day, I mean, I can tell you the feeling in my gut. You know, I mean, it's a full body experience when you really are that panicked, you know, about what's the next step. It's awful. awful. Okay, let's talk about teams, teams. What's going on when you're talking with people about their teams and why they how do they have such a hard time transitioning from, okay, it's me to, oh, my gosh, it's we. (laughs) What's going on? It's actually two key transition points that I've discovered when it comes to team. The first is when we first start hiring some people. And. And usually it doesn't happen with the first person, but you know, when you get to like the third or fourth person, when you hire that first person, it's usually someone very inexpensive, an an administrator or a a junior person, right? And then you hire maybe one more of those. Mm -hmm. But then you get to the point where you're gonna hire someone who's gonna cost you real money. Yeah. And that that starts to be kind of terrifying. And and then you when you take work that you had been doing, ways that you had been delivering value to clients and you know you have confidence that you're going to deliver that value and you give it to someone else and now you're expecting them to deliver that value mm-hmm. um there's a certain level of panic that fits that sets in there right that because they aren't going to do it the way you you did it they're probably not going to do it as well as you did it right they're, it's going to take them longer they're not going to deliver it in the same format that people are used to and it just feels very precarious and and helping business owners to get over that hump uh, really opens up possibilities for them. Because once they w- once you've done that one time and you see that, oh, wait, it works out fine and the clients like them and, and actually now I'm making more money, then people are like, well, how fast can I hire people? Because this makes right. all this. But yeah. getting over that first time where you're passing off work to someone else is a really you know, it's, it's another terrifying moment in in the growth of your business. I feel like I should be laying down for this podcast. Brad. <laughs> well, the second one, which is probably more where, where you're living, is when you start to hire that middle management layer, right? Yeah. Where where you're not even talking directly to the people that are delivering the services to people, but you're you're working with your team leader, you right. know, with your business development person, mm-hmm. and and you've really given up. You know, that first point, if that first person quits, you can just take take the work back, right? Mm-hmm. But when you get big enough where you hire a team leader, 
if that team leader quits, like I'm not, you're laughing, right? Oh, <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm laughing. So I don't start crying, but this is the, I, yeah, I have four. I, you know, with my two agencies, I have an executive director and a creative director at both of them. And they are so competent. It's just insane. And yes. they're so wonderful with the clients. Um, and you're right at this point now, they are, you know, and the clients love them and they are delivering that value. And it it would be an incredible hardship. And it is a risk still on the other side. On, on the low side, it's the risk. Can these people do it? The, the other side of the risk is I know these people can do it. I hope they don't go anywhere else. And, you know, at a certain point, they can do it better than I can. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I could jump back in there, I would be disappointing the clients. Right. Because these people are so good. And so that, you know, like there's a whole ego thing that comes up for business owners there when they realize they're hiring people that are better than them. And it's exciting. Like it's thrilling. And it's also like, wow, now what? (laughs) Who am I? What's my job? Like there's a whole, uh, you know, identity thing that kind of shifts at that point. Mm, That's interesting. Oh, we could we could talk about that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so let me just point out one other thing there. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. Like. In order to get the business started, you are the person that's delivering the value, right? right. Mm-hmm. And then, then you hire people, and you have to give up being the person who's delivering the value. But but then you become the person who's kind of overseeing. You're you're the you're the um, conductor of the orchestra, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get to that next level, and you have to give up being the conductor, right? right. And now you're the facilitator. You're 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 the producer, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so at each stage. The thing that, that made it possible for you to succeed at that prior stage, you have to give that up in order to get into the next stage. Right. So you, you have to bring other people up with you. Like as you take a leg up, the people person right behind you has to be taking that same leg up. Otherwise, you start creating a real dissonance in your in your uh, company and people end up saying, oh, no, I want her, not her. You know, everybody has to be moving up really in a relatively similar fashion so that the disparity between roles does not get large. Yeah, that that's I mean, at least that's kind of where I'm at. And and maybe that's not necessarily true. There's there's some, you know, companies who then hire, you know, 500 of this kind of really low, you know, wait, I'm just I'm in a consulting business. So that's not that's not my 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 paradigm. But, you know, where we're really yeah. So where we're really honing in on is, you know, I when people come in, I teach them how to deliver our system, how to deliver the content, how to deliver it in the strategy and really walk through the modules and make sure that we're really doing the thing. But I always try and remind them, but they're really not just paying us to do shit. You know, they're, it's just Mark. Yes, I know you. I know you marked it all off. Tick, 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 tick. These are all the mm-hmm. items that had to get done. We're very, very organized. And that's why, frankly, we get hired all the time. But I always remind them, but in the end, we need to still be thinking critically about the thing that we just ticked off the box. So if you create a report that says, hey, you know, uh, web traffic is up by this, but, you know, CTA is down by this. Well, you better have a, a understand why. You better go deeper and not just come into the meeting saying, yep, here's your report. I did it. That's what you paid us right. to do. But be able to say, 
let me tell you what I think is happening here. And that critical thinking, they are asking us to still dream with them as an owner or as a business development officer. They are still asking us to help forecast. They are still happening, uh, uh, expecting us to really kind of hold the baby and say, I think this is what needs to happen next. And so there's, you know, that's what I mean by, you know, with the team, some can be very linear and very, you know, straightforward of like, I'm teaching this person to do something, but it can also be these very, you know, esoteric lessons, you know, of how do you learn how to nuance this job? Because also there's a question about how they feel about what you did, right? right? That you checked off all the boxes, but I don't feel like you cared about me or like you were Mm -hmm. paying attention. And that that's a really weird, especially for those younger folks coming up. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? You know how you feel about it? I, mm-hmm. You know, like like that. Ha, never having sat on the other side of the chair, mm-hmm. you know, that they, they don't necessarily have that same experience of what that feels like. Yeah. One other thing that I just wanted to point out there, especially for agencies and and also for consulting firms, mm-hmm. when you grow, you don't necessarily grow just by getting more clients. You have to grow by getting bigger clients because. If you have more clients, you don't have the headspace to do that thinking work that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And so as you grow, the, the type of work you deliver actually changes because you're delivering bigger projects to bigger clients. And so that's part of that thing that, that makes the business owner feel disconnected is the team starts to learn to do things a different way to serve the needs of that bigger client. And actually, I never did that. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you had been a fly on the wall of our strategy session yesterday, we had a complete internal full day. We did nothing else. And we were just talking about just ourselves as a company. And I'm not joking. This was probably the biggest conversation we had a lot about not looking for lots and lots of new clients this next year, but looking to increase the ones we have and their dependence on us and their and their reliance on us, but also looking for the next one that's much larger because every single person in the room on my team was like, but I need that extra space. You want me to think critically. I need that extra time. I need that extra space. That's a yeah, huge so- deal. You know, agencies are always anxious about losing clients. But if you lose a a $10,000 a month client and gain a $20,000 a month client, that's the process that you need, right? Mm -hmm. You you actually need some of those smaller clients to drop off so that you can bring in the bigger clients. Right. Well, we talked a lot, actually, about churn rate, very specifically. You know, and I, I know people can be doing really well bringing new clients in, but if you're if they're going out the back door, that's not great. But when we were talking about churn rate, and I'm like, that doesn't mean we need to just go get a million more. You know, one of the other ways we could do is stay with the clients we have, bring our you know our net revenue up, and and our churn rate would automatically be lower. Mm-hmm. So I love what you're saying. It's totally jiving uh, with where you're at. I really think it dovetails a little bit into the fourth thing you mentioned, which um, you called it something else, but was immediately I refer to it as head trash, the stuff that keeps yes. up with the owners. <laughs> Right. So, you know, one of the pieces of head trash is a little bit about um, and and I'll take it from where we were at first from the team. And then we can talk about head trash that we have as owners. But on the team, one of those things that comes up is a little bit about money concept. I have to remember that when you when you hire younger and more junior staff, you know, they have a money concept of their life, especially especially when they're younger. Um, you know, and I like to remind people, like, if you think someone is, you know, 
you know, spending $3,500, let's say, on a marketing plan per month. I like to try and bring it back to them. Let's bring that in touch with how many car payments is that? How many is that, you know, how much times is that your mortgage? Look at all of your personal expenses. What does that money mean to you? And and that kind of helps you understand like the feeling, like what's the importance. On the other hand, they have to remember that someone is spending this money who does not have the same money concept that they have. And so they're not frozen. Like, some, you know, you, you have a brand new person out of, of uh, college and you have a $10,000 project going out the door. They're like, oh, $10,000. Oh, my gosh. I've never seen $10,000. You know, and you're like, oh, my gosh, if you flinch like that in the meeting, I'm going to hurt you. So dead. <laughs> You know, but it's funny, you know, over the years for me, seeing different people come in at different ages and having very different money concepts. But so you tell me, though, about what you were thinking. You were thinking more about the head trash that we have as the actual uh, entrepreneur. So what what are you seeing and hearing in there? Some of it is money stories, right? We all have emotional stories that we tell ourselves about money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the second area is just what you brought up at the beginning that that being a business owner is like the biggest uh, probably most expensive self-development program that there is in the world like you're constantly being exposed to new risks to new challenges uh, you know your employees are challenging you your clients are challenging you and the way that you respond to those challenges makes all the difference in the world right uh, it, it, when, when you have a toddler, you realize that if they fall down and you get upset, they get upset, right? But if they fall down and you're like, oh, you fell down, go ahead, then they don't get upset. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true in the office, right? If, if, if something, you know, if, if a client leaves us and the business owner throws a fit, then the whole office turns into this, you know, drama-filled, low productivity zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we may feel like, oh, crap, that, that is, is going to make my life miserable. But if we go on, like, eh, it's okay. I'm going to go talk to someone who doesn't work here about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that I can take, I can take my feelings about that and recognize them, give them the place that they need to have, but not necessarily vomit them all over the, the rest of the organization. Wow. Um, totally. People, yeah. I, I also see business owners who mix, who are trying to get things out of their business that don't belong there, where they want their employees to be friends with them, or worse yet, they talk about their the we're one big happy family. Like <laughs> we're not we're not a family. <laughs> we're not a family. I'm paying you to be here. And then when you leave, you need to not be thinking about this place, honestly. That's right. And, I, you know, even as an people, owner, I, I really try and this is my goal. We joke around about it all the time. My goal is by Saturday, uh, by Sunday night, I want to have forgotten that I own businesses and be like kind of Sunday night, be like, oh my gosh, I got to run some businesses tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a, some, another pattern that I've noticed is that business partners, mm-hmm. the, the business partners that do well, don't see each other on the weekends. Like mm-hmm. they're not best friends. They're business partners, right? And so we come together, we do work, and then we go home and we do other things. Right. And the ones that are spending all kinds of time together outside the business, like that's that's a volatile stew. Something bad's going to happen there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let me ask you this. I, I, when With all of the businesses that you help and all of these questions that kind of keep getting brought up, 
what's a recurring theme maybe about something that you wish that more businesses got right sooner? Like, oh my gosh, if they'd just done this earlier in the game, this would have had a huge payoff. Is there something that strikes you like that? The the consistent thing that I wish business owners would do sooner is let go. Um, <laughs> we all hold on too tight to everything, to to the work, to you know, control over the money, to control over the clients. Uh, like we we just hold on uh, uh, to, to and try to control so much. And part of it is we bear the brunt of everything if it fails, right? So right. we want to control it so that we can buffer ourselves from those failures. But in fact, that control creates failures, right? Right? Like mm. we're not giving our employees the opportunity to do their best work. And we're not, we're not opening ourselves up to the kind of help that we could be getting. Um, and so to, to let go sooner. Um, and it's easy for me to say, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I've seen <laughs> there's a process there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you lean toward less control, your life is going to be better. Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of reflected on that a little bit more personally. Do you have something else that you wish you had gotten right sooner? <laughs> it's related. Um, mm-hmm. I've been actually, this this year in particular, I've noticed that I am not as disciplined as I tell my, as the story that I want to tell about myself. Right. Um, in particular, I'm good at a lot of things. And so... When those things come up, I do them, but I don't like doing them. They're not, they're not my happy place. They're not the thing that I'm best at. And so I've really been concentrating this year on, on not doing that stuff and only doing the things that I'm really good at. And, and that is hard. It's, it takes, it's, it's letting go, right? It's, mm. it's being more disciplined about, yeah, I can make that spreadsheet, but so can someone else. And it's going to take them longer and they're not going to do as good a job at it. But the first time I tried to make that spreadsheet, I did a pretty crummy job at it, you know, Mm. let's give Mm. them the chance to learn and try it and and grow at it. And so really trying to just be disciplined about maximizing the amount of time that I'm doing the thing that I'm really good at. Mm. Mm. I love that. And, you know, that, that really is also kind of in alignment with your, you know, stated goal, which is to help business owners really enjoy their life more. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I mean, the, the, <laughs> the more you, the time that you're spending doing the thing that you're really great at, like when when you're doing that, time passes quickly, right? right? And if I spend all day doing that thing, I don't get exhausted at the end of the day. I'm like ready to go at the end of the day. Right. And the thing that I hear from business owners over and over again is how tired they are mm. and how exhausting it is, right? <laughs> That's a sign that you're not doing that thing that you should be doing. You're doing mm. too much. You're doing things right. that are not yours to do. Right. Well, you know, here I'll share mine, you know, just reflecting on things I wish I would have gotten right sooner. One of the big strengths that we have now is that we really have set packages, set templates, like systems, systems, Mm -hmm. systems. But it's one of those things that, gosh, I wish I would have done even sooner. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and I I remember when we did it and I I don't, you know, I don't harp on it too much and begrudge myself. It's a process, your person who is learning. So it's not to me like this, you know, it's not like I'm coming down on myself. But 
I remind myself of that feeling a lot when I am embarking on something new and reflecting on it and saying, I wish I would have really simplified our packages. I really would have walked away from kind of this, oh, let's just make it a special snowflake or, you know, offering or, or, (laughs) you know, or completely bespoke, you know, a completely bespoke system is for very high level clients who are willing to shell out high level money. A completely bespoke service is not for someone who wants something on the cheap. A completely bespoke service is a really hard way to make money. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're, you're learning every time how to do it. Right. And so you're constantly making mistakes. It's going to take more time and energy and effort than you thought it was going to take. It's, it's a really hard way to make money. Yeah. So I follow a lot of good advice when I got it with people of, you know, helping me put the process in place, understand where I was at the business. I was really at a key point where, look, you either are going to develop processes or you're going to die. There is that point in businesses. And then I'm like, okay, well, it's in that time period where you as a as a business are making processes goes on and on and on until that magical legacy turn <laughs> because yes. processes yes. are constantly there and and you know it's one of the ways you mentioned that you know people can't really work under kind of the tyranny of the entrepreneur continuing to take all the control yes. well creatives especially can't work under yes. that yes they yes. need to fail. They need to have, be vulnerable. They need the extra right. time. They need, you know, this kind of spacing. And so I find that when you don't develop systems, we waste time getting a quote out, getting a system, but adding someone to this board or doing this kind of stuff, which really should be giving your team uh, more time to do that, that creative and a little bit more of that space. So I wish I had gone back, you know, I wish I would have started on that sooner um, and really understood it. Um, but I did my best with the, you know, with the coaching that I got, yep. it was so yep. good. Every, I, I will tell you this, the one thing I don't regret and that I wish, you, you know, like I, I, it was worth every penny, even when I could barely afford it was high level quality coaching and consulting. Yes. Every I, single you know, one of those things has paid off for me in spades. I was doing a wrap up of, of 2019, just, you know, the year that has been. And I, I, like I said, I made some big changes in my business this year. And the other thing that I reflected on is that I spent more money on coaching, consulting, advising this year than I ever have before mm-hmm. because I was doing big things. And the results, you know, like you say, I made so much progress this year in part because I was willing to invest in that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I know exactly at each level, this guy helped me with processes. This guy helped mm-hmm. me with sales. This guy helped me with head trash. This gal helped me with, you know, codifying my, you know, my packages and really simplifying the message and, yeah. you know, just on and on. And these, this continual investment is just absolutely key. Absolutely key. Yeah. So I totally agree. So that's interesting to me that you as a consultant and an advisor pay consultants and advisors. And so do absolutely. I. Absolutely. Well, if you find a coach that doesn't hire a coach, like they don't really believe in it, right? Like (laughs) if you believe in the power of coaching, you're going to hire a coach because it's going to make you better. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, you know, we, we, it's interesting people, when they work with us after a while, they realize that we take our brand just as seriously. Our brand uh, on our project management board, our brand is a client and we have deadlines and we have Mm -hmm. contracts. I mean, we, we Mm -hmm. treat ourselves like we treat all our other clients with our blogs that go out, our podcasts that go out. I mean, you name it. So I think that was a big win for us as an agency because we are always doing it ourselves. 
It's huge. It's a huge difference. So I, I love that you as an advisor and you as a consultant, you as a coach, really seek that out also. You have to treat yourself like a client, especially in an agency environment, because otherwise, you know, your, your brand doesn't look like what you're telling your clients it should look like. Well, yeah. And it, to your point about, you know, your second point about finances also, if you don't, then, you know, when you needed marketing was when times were good. Right. You know, people wait to start on a marketing plan when they're like, oh, my gosh, we need cash. I'm like, that is not the time to start a market. <laughs> we're, we're screwed. <laughs> yeah. And we are not going down with that ship. <laughs> Actually, you know, that's that's another thing that I've been really thinking about this year. Um, one of my friends who's a coach, he said that if you look at someone and their clients are getting really great results, Mm-hmm. You, you can't tell from the outside if it's because they're a really great consultant, advisor, and coach, or just that they choose really great clients. <laughs> Which may be one and the same. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, that's what I've been thinking more and more about, right? Like yeah. choosing clients is a really important part of being successful. Oh, that's interesting. And here's here's the other thing about enjoying your life. You know, we aren't family, but guess what? We spend, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week together. And so if I don't like my clients, if I don't like my employees, I'm in a world of hurt. Yeah. So we got to pick the people. I I was I was um, pitching someone today and I remember sitting in that meeting just going, oh, my God, I hope they they hire us because I freaking love these people. (laughs) (laughs) I was in an interview with a client today. And Uh uh, one of the things when I'm when I'm interviewing I really want to be critical, right? I think one of the mistakes that people make when they're interviewing is they're like, oh, I hope we, he comes to work here, you know, like, mm-hmm. because I've got a hole to fill and I, I I don't want to do that job anymore. So I'm, I'm always trying to be critical and neutral and, you know, but I loved this guy. He was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have something that I, I talked to the, the business owner about that I call the Australia test. Like, would you be willing to sit next to this person on an airplane ride to Australia? Um, and I was like, I'd sign up. I'd sign up. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. This <laughs> sounds so fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a good test. I like that list, litmus test. I just, I just hired a personal assistant, so that that would be a good that would be a good test there because they're going to be all up in your business for the rest yeah. of your life. <laughs> awesome. Well, Brad, tell everybody how they can find you, how you like to communicate. If they have additional questions about some of these really great topics, how they can get those questions to you. Uh, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. I'm Brad Ferris on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn.com slash Brad Ferris, I think works. Let's spell that though, because uh, yes, Brad, the and then it's Ferris, F-A-R-R-I-S, because I remember once upon a time trying to find you and I kept spelling your name wrong <laughs> i'm sorry you're right i forget about that and so you're I'm the sorry, original I, on linkedin you're you're the brad I'm, ferris on linkedin I'm an OG huh? on linkedin that's true yeah that's nice that's nice uh, and then on twitter i'm bl ferris at bl ferris um but the best place to go if you go to anchoradvisors.com slash conversation um you can get in on an email conversation that i have with other ceos of of growing businesses where Three times a week, we're going to have emails that go back and forth where uh, we're going to talk about the things that are really important for you and your business. Awesome. Awesome. Part of that communication is about just, you know, thinking about it differently, processing it, putting it out there. And sometimes just even speaking it, speaking the problem actually starts helping you see things differently. So I love that perspective, Brad. Thanks so much for joining us from all of us here at Little Bird Marketing. Have a great day and happy marketing. Thank you.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.